everyone, this is Nick Weber with Archer here for another Direct Connect. Today I'm joined by Stacy Bressler and we are going to talk about projects, everyone's favorite P-word. Uh, <clears throat> in one of the places I worked there's a running joke that projects were things that never got done. Um, we've got to lead off, we'll start off on a positive side though, instead of that. So, uh, <laughs> Stacy, what's your, what's the favorite project, favorite type of project you've ever done? Obviously protecting names. Yeah, I'll have to protect we'll keep a lot it, of names in that case. guilty. Uh, yeah, projects. Uh, one of my most favorite projects is a fairly sizable one. Uh, it uh, involved uh, multiple parts of the company. Uh, I think that's where things get really interesting, uh, where um, you were probably, me, um, being part of the project and leading the project, was the only one that really understood what we were doing. And so there was a huge education element to it. Uh, this particular project, as you might expect, had to do with uh, maybe cybersecurity. Uh, rolling out a, uh, a a fairly sizable intrusion detection system back in the day, and this is a um, in, in the '90s uh, where IDS was just starting up. So, uh, and I was in the banking industry at the time, another critical infrastructure, uh, and we were rolling out intrusion detection, and uh, it was such a new thing; nobody really understood it. So, it was a a, a very very difficult project, and it had all the all the classic tales of uh, potential failure, uh, where, like I said, you know, cross-platform uh, different groups, lots of different groups involved, networking. We had IT people. We had uh, business people that were interested in what we're doing. Uh, we had risk assessment uh, elements to it in the fraud departments, and, and they wanted to know what we were doing. And, and at the same time, it was a highly technical uh, solution so um, that hadn't really been deployed anywhere else. We were kind of at the front end. Uh, uh, our our uh, peer at the time was Microsoft. Uh, we were talking directly to uh, their chief security officer as he was rolling out the same technology at the same time. So very, very interesting project. Nice. I think most of my most favorite ones probably go the other direction where they're more simple and there's a very clear, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I'd say by the most recently would be um, when I went in for a gap analysis and at lunchtime I said, well, do we want to keep doing the gap analysis or do you just want to start fixing things? Mm. Um, and we actually built the project plan on the fly for the first couple of weeks, but, but it ended with a very concise, we actually ended it with an audit for that project. Mm. Um, so it was, it was kind of nice to have that complete, everybody's done. We know we're done moving on. There are no, as Brent calls them, dangling participles afterwards. Um, but we had a good project manager assigned by the client on that one. Ooh. I love that because she used to say she was my babysitter and I didn't argue because mm -hmm. I need that. But um, Well, isn't that what most project managers are doing, right? They're, 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 they're the babysitters of the, of the efforts, of all the activities and tasks. Uh, and their goal is to ensure the timelines are met and uh, to report status. Yeah. I, I imagine they're kind of like a, uh, a rock band's uh, manager. I think back to the movie, the, the Dirt, that was on Netflix a few years ago. Kind of like the guy who makes sure that everybody gets where they're supposed to be. All the divas get all the stuff they need. Everybody keeps themselves out of trouble. That's a good project manager. There's always a diva, isn't there? Uh, yeah, it's usually me. Uh, yeah, well, in our in our industry, we, we, yeah, it could be you, but in our industry, it's often, uh, you know, it's the ITOT fight, right? Uh, oh. Any project that's dealing with that, you have divas on both sides, and... And uh, the project manager or 
or sometimes the the compliance office team have to be the middle ground, right? They have to they're dealing with uh, building relationships and uh, uh, you know trying to deal with all those hurdles and, and you know distrust that's uh, been established over the years. So that that's a real challenge for most of those type of projects. That, that really leads into kind of my next question: is where do you see projects usually derail or stall out? Ah, well, that's one of them. Uh, whenever there's a conflict, right? Uh, um, and, you know, most people are adverse to conflict where I, I embrace it. Conflict is where sol- you solve problems, right? Uh, if you don't have conflict, you may not even see the problem. If somebody's not speaking up, uh, you know, uh, the, the, we may be causing a, an issue, a real issue. Uh, so, you know, you got to read between the lines. Uh, uh, somebody is, a, you know, a constant complainer. Well, there's obviously something there. there there's always something that uh, might be uh, of consideration. And, and for the silent ones, those that are being super silent, you, you got to pull out, hey, is this right? Is this wrong? What are you thinking? Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I'd say I'd echo that one, that, that unresolved conflict or, or conflict that doesn't get addressed at all, that kind of simmers, that's usually the biggest one. Um, the well, other one I see is when people get, they lose focus. Nobody knows what the next step is. There's not a clear, whether it's a, an actions on node or Gantt chart or a clear path. And then the next shiny object comes along. The, the shiny object's a big deal. Um, that happens a lot. Uh, we're in the middle of a project. Something new comes about and takes precedence and priority. And, you know, management has the right to make those changes of priorities. I do see another area where um, things come, you know, unglued is when you have the wrong project manager or somebody that, is acting as a project manager, but think they're the technical lead. Project managers, I got to tell you out there, I, I've been a project manager for years. I, I'm, I, I've had held all kinds of certifications in project management. First thing I learned is I'm not the technical guy. I'm not the solver. I'm the processor. And the, um, you, you got to take that step back. It's always, um, you know, you want to be part of the solution, but that's not your role. Uh, and, uh, you know, when project managers start taking on that role because they're trying to fill the gap usually because they're not getting the help they need from their technical staff. Um, they often try to fill that gap themselves. That's where I think see a lot of things go go sideways. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest one. I'd, I'd agree. It's when a project manager either fills a gap or they start to feel unsure, revert mm-hmm. back to what they know, which is the technical piece. I and mean, that's something you see in leadership a lot of times when you see a leader start micromanaging Usually it's because they're they're feeling overwhelmed. Yep. Um, but yeah, the, the roles are, are key. And that's one of the things I really appreciate on that that SIP fourteen one I did a couple of years ago. It was very clear. These are the roles, responsibilities. Everybody understood them. Um, if somebody wasn't meeting their role, then it was a conversation. It wasn't oh we're all going to pitch in and try to cover. So thinking through that, and we've kind of gone through the derailers and what to how to fix those. If you're starting off from scratch, what's the best way to make sure your project goes well? The first thing I've always done with any project that's assigned to me, it's usually pretty nebulous, right? Uh, we want to be secure, um, or we want to have this compliance requirement 100% compliant, right? We don't want to have any issues. Those are pretty nebulous things. Uh, so discovery is the number one thing. Uh, and discovery, what, what is the issue? What is the, what is the expectation? So, um, and there's different levels of, of that information. Uh, so... First and foremost, whoever's assigning that project, whoever's the sponsor of that project, you really need to understand what their expectations are. Get that in writing. You don't have to have them write it. You write it for them. But do the interview. 
so you can establish what what the end result, um, what success looks like, right? Um, if you don't know what success looks like, then you're making it up for somebody else. And that's not your role either as a project manager. You need to really know what success is supposed to look like. And then you get into the different uh, subject matter experts that you need to find who those are, collect those individuals, and have an interview with each one of them. Say, okay, here's what the executive or the sponsor expects at the end. What do you think needs to happen in order to achieve that task? Um, once you collect all that information, you're, you're, you're set. Um, now it's just creating the activities in order to achieve each one of those tasks. And, and there's going to be some consolidation and some overlap is going to be brought up. But, you know, you shake all that out and you have a project plan. And uh, from there, you're just defining timelines, dependencies, and uh, making sure people do what they say they're going to do. The biggest thing that I think it, that sets the tone is a project charter. And I hate writing, writing them, but I love having them. Yep. Uh, anybody who's been on any volunteer stuff with me knows that if we do a committee, I'm putting together a charter. And I, I hate writing them. It seemed, to me, it seems like such delay getting the work done. Mm -hmm. But so helpful to have that lined out. And it's kind of the, like a tool you used to use in the military, the, the back brief, or the brief back. Mm. Say, all right, I just told you this. Now explain it back to me. Um, that's something I found... Particularly when I was at Grant, when I'd use the project charter idea, which was my boss was a big proponent of it, so that got me actually using it. And I would take it to our CFO and say, "All right, here is what our project plan is." Wait, well, I didn't say that. Well, here's what we interpret you saying. So now, where do we need to close that gap? And we, we had all that lined out before before the first screwdriver got picked up. Um, that, that was so helpful because everybody knew what to expect. Everybody knew where everybody else was. Um, everybody knew, to your point, what does success look like? What is the end state here? Um, and it, you, you have to make sure you avoid things like, we're going to get better. Measurable. Um, <laughs> it's got to be measurable. Avoid working toward those kind of... The things that you put in your performance plans, maybe, don't use those for your your, your projects. Absolutely. Very specific, I, measurable. You mentioned something about charters being um, um, you know, usable, used. Uh, often I see uh, um, these these project charters that are just part of the process and they're just put aside. Nobody's really using them. But you said exactly what it is. It's a it's a um, a way to communicate back what you heard. Mm -hmm. um, and you know you collect all that information that I was talking about from the SMEs, but also from the sponsor. And you have that. You create that project car charter, and then you're going back to the sponsor and saying, "Okay, you need to sign off on this." And it's important that they actually read it. And understand it so mm -hmm. that is to my next point project charters that are 150 pages long are ridiculous uh, and I've seen them that long uh, where they're really a framework for success that is down to the technical weeds and it just doesn't need to be you can make this a couple pages you can even probably get it down to a single page um, but it, it's important to get those facts down um, to the best you can but as concise as possible and feed that information back upstream again before you start launching this project. You gotta get that buy off, and that's, it's so essential to do so. Yeah, I don't know how many times we've sat in, in briefings on projects that never seem to end and realize two, three, four months, a year in that the sponsor did not want what's being done. Yep. That just was not communicated early and often. Um, and also, it helps with scope creep, too, if you have the charter to go back to and say, all right, here's where we're at. I've seen a couple dozen projects, big projects, that you would think had 
all the sponsorship and everything tied together before being canceled because the sponsor didn't even know what was going on. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know. They said, no, I came out of a meeting and I suggested that, but I didn't mean it to go forward. How in the world did you guys even get funding? That's another problem, but <laughs> for another time. But uh, yeah, that's that's why you have to have this documentation. And, and as a project manager or anyone that's assigned any task to do something, you need to make sure that it's clearly understood that you're going to do it now. You know, here's the date that we're going to start doing it. Here's what you said you, re- we, you wanted, and here's what we're going to do. Here's the costs. Here's the dependencies. Oh, by the way, when you first told me about this software you wanted to buy, you never talked about staffing. Well, our project plan has a staffing element. Here's the charter that says how much people, how many people are going to have to staff that. Can you buy into that? Um, that's another derailment part. Um, you see projects on software or tools like GRCs, for example. Uh, people will buy a GRC and they forget about ongoing maintenance and management and all those components. Um, I think uh, years ago, uh, utilities weren't very good in the IT department. And they often uh, ran really quickly uh, to build up services and didn't have those disciplines. I would say today, those disciplines are much, much better, especially in the mid to large utilities. So you you see that discipline being built uh, or enacted, and it's just a core to their operations. Um, But some of the small utilities, you still see that ongoing challenge of project here, project there, competing projects. That's the one that's crazy. You have an OT department and an IT department buying the same tool at the same time, two different projects that they didn't even know were going on at the same time. Yeah, the, the O&M side, the ongoing piece, that was, that was something I saw that mm. created so much shelfware in my career because it's always easy to get capital dollars, usually easy to get capital dollars. O&M dollars, that's a whole other world. Yep. So people would, would underestimate the O&M need on a project and overestimate the capital. Now, and would end up with a, absolutely a beautiful right. tool. I'll say this to people. I say, oh, try to push back if you get a project like that that doesn't have um, uh, approved O&M. Um, however, you know, the bosses have to be the bosses. So they tell you to go forward, CYA yourself, document mm-hmm. it, send an email to them saying, oh, by the way, I just want to you know that we have not budgeted any O&M or any, any maintenance costs or any additional staffing for this project. Do you still want us to continue? That's an okay yep. question to ask, and you should do it. Might make yeah, it twice. Yeah, those are the ones that seem to always turn to the zombie projects too. That just never, mm-hmm. never go away and never die, never get finished. Yep, shelfware. Yep, that's where the software goes to die. All right, Stacy. Any closing words or thoughts on projects as we wrap this this direct connect up? Yeah, I I, I think everybody should be a project manager at least once. Uh, it, it's a it's a different uh, role. And uh, I think it's an important role to understand and appreciate because, um, uh, you know, a good project manager will save you from everything. And, and if you haven't lived a day in the, sho- in the shoes of a, of a project manager, you don't really realize the stress that's associated with that. They take on a lot of responsibility and they ultimately aren't doing anything but, like I said before, tracking timelines and tracking um, status. And uh, You know, uh, if everyone went through the process of being a project manager, I think uh, uh, we'd all be better for it. Can't add anything better to that. So thanks for joining, everyone. It's been another Direct Connect. See you out there. See you guys. Take care. Thanks. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at Archer U.
If you're interested in who we are and what we do, you can head on over to our website at archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, and at Archer SEC on Twitter. Thanks for listening and check back every other week for brand new episodes of Direct Connect.